Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to another week of the Recruitment Flex. Actually, Shelly, I have fantastic news for you. I can't validate it. I can't, um, I can't put real numbers behind, but behind my research right now, we are the number one HR slash recruitment podcast in Canada, originating from Canada. So I guess that's very good news. cool. <laughs> that's huge. That's huge. Do you know, that's really good news, Serge. Thank you. And I still haven't figured out why so many people are listening. I think, uh, we, I think we know. No, I think we know. I think we know. It's it's those your blue eyes and it's it's gotta be it's gotta be those those handsome blue eyes and, and your little bit of beard there, a little bit of gray. Oh, and we okay. know that most of our listeners are women. So yes, you, I, you know, know I love rating I, spike when you talk about how much you love your wife and your little girls, and everybody goes, Oh, <laughs> he's so sweet. It's, you know, when I need a confidence boost, I just call you, Shelly, because uh, it gives me everything that I need. Uh, but then my wife comes back to you, like, she puts me back in my place. So that's um, good. Well, to do you get remember that. the client of mine that said he thought you, you looked like Ryan Reynolds? Oh, I love that guy. Yeah. I, I don't look oh, anywhere near. You look so much near. like Ryan Reynolds. I know. Well, how are you, Shelly? You're doing I'm, good? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Doing really well. Having a great week and uh, really excited about today's show as well. So do you mind if I just dive right in and introduce our guest? Well, give me one second, though, before, because oh. we have to give proper context here. Uh, okay. So what? this is a new thing that we're starting. So usually okay, we have fair enough. guests on the recruitment space overall. And what we've wanted to do is there's so many great HR tech companies in Canada and North America that maybe don't have an audience, not saying we have a massive audience, but I think it's a good time to talk to those HR tech startups or maybe new newer companies with technology that maybe yeah. we've never heard of. So this episode, I think you all agree, we're really layman on this sense, even though I pride myself in knowing HR techs pretty in depth. I can't say that I understand blockchain that well. So I wanted to bring an expert. So I think okay. you can introduce our expert uh, with that context. So Yeah, thank you for that, Serge. I just get so excited because, you know, I, I never get tired of hearing people talk about new tech. Tech is something you and I both love. So, um, so I am really pleased to introduce Dan Jurescu, who is the founder of TerraHub Technologies, and he's also a Tech Canada speaker on blockchain and digital transformation. And so welcome to the show, Dan. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. This is going to be awesome. I look forward to it. You're a lively bunch already. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us because this is uh, the whole topic um, of blockchain and how it fits into HR. I mean, we're all kind of going like, what? How, it does what? So before we go there, though, here's where I want to start. Because, you know, I look at what you're doing here in Calgary and the, 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 the work you're doing and being an entrepreneur as well. So tell me uh, what it's been like for you as a startup and as an entrepreneur here in Calgary, what are, what are some of the, you know, if I knew now what, if I knew then what I knew now, know now type of thing, is there anything that you can share with our audience about that entrepreneur and tech startup journey here in Calgary? Oh man. So um, <clears throat> this is my second tech company in Calgary. The first one was in supply chain logistics for uh, the movement of dangerous goods. So it was actually creating the first digital copy of a movement document that everybody got a chance to see, uh, acknowledge, and ultimately uh, verify. And um, it, was, it was interesting because by the time we exited, we were so hyper-focused in our community of, of work where we were so very health and safety related and so on. I never really paid attention to the tech ecosystem until I exited. And then a bunch of organizations like the Alberta 100 and uh, different tech startup uh, groups and um, a rainforest group and all these groups came up and were like, Hey, you did, you did awesome. Great. Congratulations. Why don't you come back and give a little back to the community? And it was like, Oh, that's awesome. I love giving back to the community. And all of a sudden you open up your eyes and you start exploring the tech community in Calgary. And it is massive. It is 
proliferated with tech entrepreneurs that over the last 30 years have done some incredible, like, did you know that the inventor of the X-ray machine is actually from Calgary? No. No clue. Come on. Yeah. Come the, on. The guy that, <laughs> that owns the patent to the USB is from Calgary. Come like, on. Some of the craziest things that we're all sitting here, we're like, what are you talking about? The first digital um, uh, or digital wallet or way to manage digital cash came from Calgary. Like a tech startup that went from like five people to 1,100 people in two years, sat in the Northeast in big warehouses and gyms and nobody knew about. Like this is, this town is insanely talented when it comes to tech. Insanely talented. Like last year there was 2019, I think we recorded, 2019 or 20, 2019 I think it was, we recorded over $2 billion in tech exits in Calgary. Mm. Okay. Like, it is not a small community. It's huge. And the dollars and the, and the valuations and what's happening is insane. Like just Edmonton just posted in the month of January that they did over $240 million in tech startup funding. Right? Like it's, tech community is huge. So Calgary well, it, has been, it's impressive to be quite honest. And, and being in the tech community in my day-to-day job, I've seen um, huge advancements in, uh, as far as there are so many great ideas and there's still that perception of this particular market just being oil and gas driven, uh, which in, yeah. in some ways it is, but there's so much on that sense as well, as far as what is the next generation of clean energy and how can we be part of it yeah. with having the, our, our big share of engineers are here in Alberta. Why not take yeah. advantage of that in that sense? But I, I want to go through HR tech. So let's put that in perspective. You <laughs> looking at your background. So you work yeah. for the big oil and gas players as, as consultants, then your first uh, going through your journey as, and really this is your first foray in HR tech. Is that right? Yeah. And you know, what's really crazy. I didn't actually realize that I was getting myself into HR tech. Not that it's a bad thing. I just never realized I was getting myself into HR tech until, uh, <laughs> until all of a sudden I kept trying to explain to our investors. Uh, last year we were doing our first uh, seed round. So yes, we are technically still a startup and we were successful. We oversubscribed on the seed round. Fantastic. But I kept trying to explain to them what we actually do because everybody's like, well, the typical investor, right? That's show me your vertical, show me the size, show me the market penetration, how much you're going to you know, target and get and so on. And it's like, but my tech helps employees and employers create trust and verify uh, data through a technology. So how can I potentially give you a market size opportunity when I'm talking about employee-employer relations? Yeah. Right? It's well, like that's let's, any let's, company anywhere. Let's go through that. So TerraHub is described, so TerraHub, your HR solution is described as a simple, convenient, and secure way to share critical information. Um, what does that's, that that's mean? That's a lot of words. <laughs> now that you say it. Okay. No, read it really fast now, Serge, but, but really pour on the French accent. I'll, I'll go through it again. <laughs> you go through it again. Through it again. Oh Why do you always make fun of my French accent, Shelly? I'm beginning it's, to start to get a complex here. No, you know, you know you love it. And so our listeners. Let's, let's talk about what is Terra Hub's HR solution. Let's explain it in really layman terms of how you're going to market and how that affects, like if I'm a listener and I'm listening to it, how, how do I get ahead? How do I implement this? So I guess that's a lot of questions. What is it? But what is it? <laughs> okay. So first and foremost, what we focus on as a tech company is the ability to prove your decisions as, a, as an HR um, um, individual uh, or person, it's to be able to prove your decisions faster. So what does that really mean to us? It means that if we can provide you verified data that you can trust, could you make your decision faster? And could you make a better decision in the long term? So for us, that's where it all really, really started. And what I mean by that is the following. We as a tech company, we focused on a few things. There's a lot of de desperate systems that exist within multiple organizations, right? There's different HR systems, there's health and safety systems, learning management systems. There's different systems that hold something about the person that's true about the person, right? From your active directory system that says you can come in through the door all the way through to 
your HRIS system. But each company has their own systems. So what if there was a way in which you could create a network that sits in between everybody and ensures that once a data is populated about an individual, the individual has the right to own that data and they can choose who they want to share that data with. But when somebody tells you something like, hey, I have my CPHR Alberta designation, it's like, well, how do you really know? Well, somebody has to typically call CPHR Alberta and say, hey, is Dan actually a member? Is he good in standing? Has he been taking his PDE credits and so on and so forth? But what if now you can have visibility into Dan showing you this digital credential that says, I'm a CPHR Alberta member, and it's been verified digitally and irrefutably by the organization itself or the association itself. Got it. What would that do to you if somebody came in and said, here's my digital portfolio of all the, all the things that I own? How quickly could you make your uh, hiring decision? Faster. Right? What would that, yeah. What yeah, would that, and then, and then how much more reliable would that be when you knew that that data could not be tampered with? Because if it was tampered with, everybody that's connected to that data set would know that it was tampered with. Okay. So, so, so put that in It changes everything. Yeah, no. It, uh, so I'm a big believer. I, I think in in a lot of ways, as far as because one of the challenges is actually verification at the end of the day, as far as if what they're saying is true. But how are you selling this? So are you selling this to the HR department saying this is a way to verify? And then how do you connect that that uh, employee for them? Because they're probably not set up. Like it seems like it's a lot of moving parts to get That's, this executed and HR, and I, Shelley, you'll agree, HR and recruitment, we're around 20 years behind when it comes to technology across the board. Uh, <laughs> it's just the industry in that sense. I'm seeing challenges in adoption unless what you're, and maybe I'm overcomplicated in my mind. So tell me what is, I run an HR department and you're coming yeah. to me and basically this is a product you want to sell. How does that work? Who needs access? How do I get the users to use it as well to verify? Yeah. The, so the product itself is actually quite simple. And that's really where the magic of good tech and good front-end designers really comes into play, right? Those that can, that can go in and say, how do I minimize three extra clicks and just wrap them into one? Because that's all the user needs to do. So that's where a lot of the magic really comes in. Because what happens behind the scenes, you're correct. So it's a beast. Like the, the architecture, the design, the workflows, the... Um, the different uh, models of if-thens, there's a lot behind the scenes, but the front-end user has to feel seamless. And that's what we really focused on from the beginning was, how do we make this simple to the front-end user? So as an example, if I walk into, a, uh, into an HR um, uh, manager or director's office, and we have this conversation. It's really about a few things. One, the system to get up and running, just to have the person up and, and being like, yep, you could... You could, as an HR manager, start um, managing the people within your organization, take a sub one day. So that's, not a, that's nothing complicated there in that part. If you want us to integrate into your HRIS system or other legacy systems, that depends on your, on your IT team. And most of the times, you can integrate into these systems within a few days' worth of work back and forth. So that in its own is not a big, is not a big uplift as well. The biggest component is really about the individual and educating the individual and having that change management process with the individual to say, here's why we're doing this for you. Because ultimately the technology is, and I was talking to this with our marketing team recently, which is it really is a win-win-win situation. It's a win for the individual because they're now provided digital portable credentials, meaning that at the end of your time working together, they can take those credentials with them walk over to the next employer, share with them and say, hey, here's who I am, as they've been verified by the original group where I work with. So there's a big value proposition to the person. Two, there's a value to the HR manager because once the person leaves, based on the new Canadian privacy laws that are coming into play, like the CPPA, <clears throat> you have to be able to de-identify the individual from your organization. So imagine now if you can decouple that person and then remove some key identifiers about him so you're not, in, um, you're not gonna be at risk from a privacy uh, stance and perspective. And lastly, the, the third win is that all of the systems that were connected together 
can choose to remain connected together. So integrating into HRIS systems or into issuers like your associations, post-secondaries, uh, the big um, uh, background and reference check companies, right? Like the Mints, the Sterlings, the, um, the Tritons of the world. All of a sudden, you're now creating a, a, a seamless flow of information that everybody only has one copy of. And you can always trust it because that's the only copy that exists. So it, it, would th- it would seem to me that the Sterlings of the world would see you as a, a big threat or oh. see this whole technology as a big <clears throat> threat because their whole business model is built on repeat customers. You know, yeah. So someone leaves company A and goes to company B, um, you know, the due diligence responsibility, it all rests on the employer. Right. Yeah. And absolutely. so they so the the Sterlings of the world are basically they're relying on the fact that you need to have this done no matter where you go, especially depending on you know what type of job you're in um, and what type well, of companies you're applying to. So I, I don't yeah. understand why they don't see you as a threat. So actually, interestingly enough, that a lot of these groups have actually come to us as partners which is incredible. So it's a complete game changer because ultimately the individual has the right to request their, their credentials or certifications, everything you've done about them and ultimately own them, right? That's their right to own. So they could come to the organization and say, hey, can you give me, like say I was with you for six months and then I said, you know what? It's not the right fit for us, I'm out. But some of the verifications you've done about me are good for a year or two years, right? Because CPICs and other are kind of like point in time. So you have to redo those, but yeah. others are just, very much like, yeah, it's a two-year, you know, check mark on this cert. But I still own it and I can take that with me, right? And well, I can request it whether it's from the employer or from, uh, from the, um, uh, the reference and background check companies. And the, it is by law the way, that it's, the way that it's being published now, right, is that you own your information and you have to be able to provide portable credentials to the individual. At the end of their maturity of that business, you have to provide them that. We literally just did this presentation yesterday with CPHR Alberta on data privacy and the new data privacy laws. Yeah. There were 700 registrants with 480 attendees for lunch. <laughs> Sounds like that's a hot topic. So There was so, so many questions that we ended up the, the meeting and it was like, well, Dan, do you want to pick one of these questions that you want to answer? And it's like, there's 38 questions in queue. Like, how do I pick one? <laughs> So well, anyway, it, sorry. you doubled our audience at, uh, when we did the uh, lunch hour CPHR with uh, myself and Shelly. So I'm a little bit jealous then, uh, but good <laughs> work on that end. So, all right. I, I, I want to take a step back and, and really get a sense that I understand it. So please uh, be patient with me. All right. I'm company A. So I'm um, Surge's recruitment shop or whatever you want to call it. And I've decided to partner with you. I have a talent that comes in, interview them, love them. I think they're going to be a great. They have all the certifications on their resume that I want. And now, you, what do I do? Like, where do I start? Where do I go? What, what's the process there? Yeah. So, so for us, we, so we work, we're a B2B enterprise, right? We're not a B2C. So we're not a business yeah. to consumer. We're B2B. So our clients are typically the... Um, the hiring managers or the, um, the organizations that are physically doing the hiring. Yeah. So there's the way that I look at the, um, the employment segment is that there's three, three segments. There's a pre-hiring, pre-screening. There's the, now you're employed. We all live happily together. And then there's the last part, which is now you're going to go, <laughs> whether you chose to or we chose to. Yeah. Right. So I kind of buckle them into three. So where we fit best as a technology company is in the, in the now I've hired you. And now you're leading. We've dabbled a little bit into the pre-screening okay. early, just as you're getting employed, but we're not really on that front end component. And that's because there's, um, like, think about it as an organization for you to come in and say, hey, Dan, um, I need to set up a, this digital wallet for a person that's about to send me a resume. Well, we could do that, but then now you have this person's information coupled to you. Um, for a period of time until you decide that you might want to just not use them. Yeah. So that's not really our sweet spot. Our sweet spot is the moment that the person's actually been employed, now we know a bunch of things about them, right? Now we've com- completed KYC, right? Because now we know who the individual is. So the 
uh, know your client or know your customers now been completed because you've already done in your hiring process a lot of the things from you know what's your uh, driver's license number what's your sin number like a bunch of things that are needed for pre-hiring and, and such where we've come in with a few of these major groups that are now partnering with us on the on the pre-screening component is not necessarily at the hiring point but sometimes actually during employment because you have to maintain some of these records um, even throughout your employment timeline, right? So something might expire once every two years, you need to be able to get it re-verified. So that's where we started today. We do plan on moving slowly into the into the pre-hiring process, but that's a that's a, a point in time. It's not a it's not a today, it's a kind of towards the end of this year. Well, so, let's look at what the normal yeah. hiring process is. So I interview you, we go through the internal process, you're a good hire, then that's where we go. We contact Sterling Bagcheck or thousands of different companies that do some type of verification in the yeah. back that that can mean so credential not a lot of companies are checking into credentials anymore um way less than it used to be it's really interesting yeah. especially in, in the tech world i'm seeing less and less of it, it based on a couple factors is competing for that talent anything that can take a little bit longer is sometimes some hesitation but so i call sterling back check this is what i need you to check i need you to check their employment verification they went to school there uh and any certification they have so i've already decided i'm going to hire unless this comes back and they they lied about everything i'm not going to hire them so then the employee is an employee he's in Where, like, how do we eliminate Sterling from this process? Because we're not changing. Like, I, I'm, Dan, I'm confused. Yeah, and not I'm because confused. you're confusing. It's because I am not wrapping my head around when this is actually being used as far as, and what is the value to the company in the sense that if they still need to do that verification at that point with their partner and, so I am missing the boat. Well, so let's please let's take a that. let's take an example. So assume you're you're the um, HR director for a construction company. Okay. And you have a crew that needs to go to a site to perform a job. Okay. That crew needs to have minimum certifications in order to meet that job requirement before they show up on site. Sure. How do you know that those certificates are still in good standing and that crew is not actually putting your company at risk? in um, showing up on site and not having their say. Uh, CSTS, fall protection, sure. whatever. Fall yeah. protection, yeah. right, whatever it is. And something that has an expiry date component to it, right? Yeah. How do you know that that's not the case? By using a, tradi- a traditional system, that when, once you enter the data in, it becomes what we call static data because the, the data kind of goes in and then you just hope that the system notifies you or works with you to tell you that, hey, this person's coming up for expiry. And you hope that somebody paid attention when that came up for expiry and got Dan to go back and, you know, get his, um, uh, get his fall arrest um, recertified. Yeah. But if you didn't, and the guy at site missed it, and then Dan caused an accident that day, everybody is going under investigation. It's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a challenge. Imagine if we had a system that is directly connected with the issuer of that original certificate. So say that certificate came from the Construction Safety Association or from a group like a Dana type, right? What if now this system notifies not just the HRIS system, but all the different management levels that need to know about this individual, plus the individual, and the individual is then pre-booked already into a training program because he is seconded to a job that he's going to have to have this for the next six months, but he's expiring three months into that job. So what if you can keep the entire organization at bay from being at risk from having people walk in with miscertifications. That's one example, but think about something different. Say you're a CFO and you're in a publicly traded company. What if you went and did something that you shouldn't have done and you lost your CPA designation or you lost your, um, you know, your right to trade with, whether it's Alberta Securities Commission or the Canadian Securities Commission, wherever it is, and you were about to get fired and you just put in a final trade in for the company and you signed off on it. Right, that's a liability for the organization. But the moment that you made that decision for that person to let go, anywhere where this person's information was available from your company to say, hey, this person is no longer with us, you should all be notified and updated right away, gets done instantly. 
because the moment you trigger it in one place, it triggers it everywhere. So how does that, sorry. So what you just described, Dan, is the, um, the smoke dream that we were sold by a company called Cornerstone On Demand. And I well, guess went, who's going to write this one down to, to research on it. Oh yeah. No, this, <laughs> this has long been their um, smoke and mirrors uh, that they are going to be able to do this for you. I can tell you um, many, a leader in yeah. HR got fired because Cornerstone on demand never did what they said it would do. And that is exactly what you just described about certification tracking and understanding the other complexity here is that same crew can be dispatched to three different sites in one day. Mm -hmm. And each of those sites have different requirements. Like I get the complexity of this and there isn't a piece of software that I know of that's ever been able to do this because the variables are so many. And I was working at um, NMAX and I took over when the system that they were using um, basically glitched out and sent out notifications at a rate of 60 a second to every hiring manager for every employee who had a qualification expiring. Um, Took the server down and nearly (laughs) resulted in a few heads rolling, meaning if this happens again, somebody's getting fired. So I can tell you this, this is, you're right. It, this is so incredibly complex um, because of infinite variables, infinite. Permutations are incredible. You're right. absolutely correct. And so yeah. there's never been like, so are you saying that you have the magic sauce here? <laughs> um, I'm saying we've we've started developing the magic sauce and okay yes. so if, so a few things about us that's that's interesting to know so for the last call of 15 years our tech teams have been responsible for building some of the largest um, network-based solutions meaning single source of truth systems with multiple parties interacting with them at the same time so our for example our chief technology officer lena was responsible for architecting the original um, uh, open invoice for digital oil field, which almost every single energy company in this uh, town uses. Uh, she was responsible um, as being one of the key um, executives at uh, the turnaround of Cortex Business Solutions before they exited into that uh, um, into the um, off the um, uh, public traded market. So we've been building these kind of network based solutions for 15 plus years, and our background is in understanding how do you connect multiple parties to a single source of truth. And on top of it, the reason why a lot of these technologies couldn't have done it before, it ultimately has to do with blockchain technology at its core. So blockchain technology, what's really important to understand from it, and I'll I'll speak at at enough of a high level that it should make it quite generic, but it comes in two flavors. There's the flavor of Bitcoin that everybody hears and, and talks about, which is called public blockchain. Then there's the private blockchain, which has to do with enterprise deployment, technically. That's where the two really differ. One of them is permission, meaning you have to be invited and you have to be a part of it um, in order to be able to perform with it. And the other one is public, meaning anybody can join and have the same rights as everybody else. But what makes it very powerful as a technology is in a traditional database model, you could do three fundamental things. You can do a lot, but three fundamental things. You can add you can edit and you can delete. In the world of blockchain, the functionality of delete no longer exists. So imagine how powerful something is when you can no longer delete an item. And the reason why they call it a ledger technology is because the only thing you can do is you can append to that data. So if you ever wanted to see the original source of truth where something started and every other append to it, you always can. And it only becomes one single source of truth. But the power within it is the ability to to create this network, the ability for multiple parties to connect and interact with a single source of truth. So therefore, there isn't any more you said, you said, I said, he said, she said, my database, your database. There's always one common single source of truth. And that completely changes the way that some of our traditional legacy systems actually work. So the concept of like 60 messages per second to all the different managers, it's 
the, when you structure the, the system and you say, this manager is only responsible for this, that's the only sequence of events that can happen. So when we go into an organization, and, and I'm just going to use that construction example again, because we're currently in the process of rolling out with a, a significant construction company out of Calgary, um, which is going to be quite public from, from a profile here uh, pretty shortly. But you know, we're onboarding this year, we're going to onboard probably about 1,700 people into their system. And this is being used as their HRIS, sorry, as their health and safety uh, system right. for management of people's credentials and certification. Because we yeah. don't manage things like, you know, what's your payroll? What's, I don't need to know. That's not, that's not for me. Um, but it, it allows them now to go in and say, this person doing a milk run to six sites today has to have these minimum certificates for each individual type of site. So the moment the person checks in at that site, it verifies against that site's requirement at that point in time. And then if the person gets attached to a site to say, we know you're going to be here today, if he sh before he even shows up to that site, the system predict preemptively prompts the individual to say, you're not fit for that location because you don't have, in your crew, you're not the guy that holds a CPR cert or nobody in your crew holds a CPR cert. So somebody better go get somebody else on that crew that holds a CPR cert. So all of this is done because of this network capability. And our, our really the magic sauce starts coming into how we can start connecting into the issuers. So when I walk into a company, one of the things I will ask somebody from HR is to say, what are the, what are the, uh, the issuing uh, bodies that you work with? Right? So tell me yeah. who are the, the typical groups that would issue your certificates for your, for your yeah. staff or your employees. So if I do that and I can now go in and say, hey, Energy Safety Canada Construction Association, whoever you are, because right? it can be from multiple um, industries. If I can say, do you want to connect with us? Simple API integration will take you two hours to do. Um, then we don't, you never even have to pick up the phone again for somebody to verify, like an HSC manager to verify that, that John Got has it. his full arrest. Right? The moment John puts it in and says, add a credential for myself in my wallet, it automatically says, oh, it's from this group. We have this group in our system. They're connected. Ping the network, verify, provide it back. But that verification is now immutable. Mm. Okay. So uh, very different. Yeah, so and that makes... So sorry, some, sorry. So I think HR is a big category. And sometimes yeah. um, health and safety sometimes falls under the HR umbrella. Um, but it sounds like because this is all making sense to me now, because you're foundationally from supply chain, the, the heart of you or Terra Hub is supply chain. Now this makes sense. And it's, I have always said, Dan, that recruitment is, is a brother from another mother to supply chain. Absolutely. If you look at what supply chain does, recruitment does the exact same thing, but we're dealing in different commodity. We're dealing in the talent commodity. 100%. And supply chain could be dealing in the supply Asset. of steel. Yeah. The yeah, supply Shelley, of steel I, around I the can't world. believe you called people commodity, though. Uh, I can't <laughs> going, but. <laughs> but it's true. It's, it's, like we're, we're it's really incredible. And it, it is really incredible because if you sit back and you think about it, it's a data set. Yeah. Right. And you're creating the permutations of that data set. So whether that data set is an asset, meaning a, a bottle or a steel rod, or whether it's an individual, there's attributes to that data set that need to meet that data set's requirements. So right. the attribute in this case, it's the asset is the individual. The attributes are the things they need to know about the individual to make them valuable to your organization for that point in time. And for right. what you need to do, you need to be able to trust that data. You need to be able to report on that data. You need to be able to manage insurance and any liability because you now have verifiable data. So think about if you have a WCB claim, right? Two years later from somebody that you've let go. And you can go back and say, actually, I can prove with 100% irrefutability that that day or that week in this project, whether it's head office or somewhere else, this person had all they needed to have. And they filled all the right forms that they need to fill in. Yeah. So how are you going to fight me on this, uh, Mr. to WCB? So who's your target client? Like in reality, when you're looking at the market, because it, it's, 
you, it's going to change, I'm assuming, as you get more scale. So my assumption, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's the large enterprise, um, potentially construction. You did mention it makes a lot of sense in how you describe it. Is that who you're targeting as your clients right now? To, to be honest, we have, so Terra brought on 15 clients last year. In, okay. in our first year of operation, we brought on 15 clients. Not a single one of them is in the exact same industry. Okay. So we're literally from fintech, global fintech organizations, to construction, to retail, to insurance, because it's just about that asset, right? And the, and the attributes of that asset and the process around it. How do you approach how do you approach this in the sales process? Because like you get put in perspective for most HR recruitment yeah. or even HSC, this technology is a little bit overwhelming in some ways. And what, how's your sales process? How do you approach it? You know what? We're um, to be quite honest, we're sub two months in a in a typical sales process. Okay. Because it and it's kind of five meetings sub two months. Which is not bad at all. all. No, not at all. Because it's actually not that complex. Like it's, it sounds complex until you see it. And then you're like, oh, so I got to click here, add this and manage this person here. Okay, I can do that. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's in, that's, the, that's the magic. The magic is how, how simple it is on the front end. What we discuss right now, it's right. Like the magic behind the scenes, right? But really yeah, on yeah, the yeah. front end, it's about the user friendliness. It's about the adoption rate. Like we brought in, so we're over 7,000 individuals are currently using a, a module of the TerraHub system in the last, I guess, really nine months since we kind of really truly launched, right? Like that's a pretty good number of users, right? Mm-hmm. Integrated into everything from active directory systems to big um, ERP systems all the way down to small, you know, like yeah. homemade solutions, right? Um, because once you understand how the data flows, it doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter. What you have, yeah. And that's where the magic comes in. And Shelly, I think you, I can't wait to Leslie see this because she's going to be like, oh my God, thank you, Shelly. This is fantastic. But you are correct. It is, it is very much like that supply chain mentality in the background that brought us to this. It's, it just commoditized that environment, right? In a different yeah. way. Yeah. So of course, we're not a threat to the mints and sterlings and all these because it's easy for them to flow this information through us, have verified data. You can now own it and manage it as an individual, which is now being put into law. So you have to do it anyway organizations are, are finding it easier because they can, they can say, yep, we're going to decouple. I don't see you. You don't see me. We're good. Yeah. Um, I still hold what pertinent information I need to hold about you for whatever, seven years for my mm-hmm. um, T4s and everything else. But from that point forward, we don't, we don't talk to each other anymore, right? And if you decide to hire me back in three years, guess what? The system and the ID that you stored for me gets recoupled and we're back in. So what's the big fear that you're seeing. I mean, I'm, as I listen to you talk, I'm trying to sit in the chair of, you know, the employee. Um, Mm. And I'm sure that's probably why you were absolutely buried with questions when it comes to privacy, (laughs) when it comes to my data. But if I've got Mm. my wallet and I'm verified, I know Mm. as a, a recruitment technology, I'm thinking like, I need, like, if you could connect me as a recruiter, because you already know the job family, you know, the work history. And so as a recruiter, it doesn't, I would suspect that people's biggest fear is that um, you don't, you no longer become a human, you become a list of credentials, and you simply get hired for that. That's a, am know, I that's a am I right? Like, is there is there any sort of fear that now you have dehumanized, or that sorry, not you personally, Dan? I'm not. saying <laughs> this this sort of technology takes the human element right out of it. How how do you, you know, respond that's a, that's to that? Good, well, that's a very good point. But if you if you already start looking at the gig economy workforce, are you really humanized? Right, like, what do you really see? A picture and data sets that you're hoping they're true, right? Like if I go on, I don't know, one of the, one of the uh, larger posting groups, yeah. right? And I say, I want somebody to do a website for me. And this person says, well, I've done a hundred successful websites and all my clients are happy and here's my ring. Do you know that person? Do you interact with that person? Do you talk to that person? Oh, that process has already been established for the last 10, 15 years 
in this gig economy workforce, which has already taken over. I mean, it's huge. What were the last stats? Uh, last year, almost 60 million U.S. citizens are gig economy workforce um, mm. individuals and just over six, 5 million in Canada. That's officially a percentage of GDP, whichever way you look at it. Like that's a significant percentage. And it's not dehumanized. It's just individuals saying, trust me, I'm the right person to do this job. And the concept of let me share with you what you need to know about me today is where the critical component comes in, right? Because you might, I mean, think about it. When we were all young and we went for our first jobs, it's like, here's 80 versions of my resume and they exist everywhere, right? Into the abyss of resumes. Can you go retrieve those back today? No. Do you know who actually owns it today and what database they sit in? No, right? And somebody might call, like I got a call, I'm not gonna call, not gonna call the recruitment company, but I got a call from a recruitment company last week asked me if I'm interested in a, in a PGM job for another company. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, this was 14 years ago, 15 years ago. Like we're not even close. They're like, yeah, but you look like a right fit. And I was like, what was the last update on my resume that you saw? And I just talked to him like human. We had a human yeah, yeah, yeah. Shelly, <laughs> which was why? Like, why are we having this chat? Right. But it's, but the reality is that it's ultimately, and it comes back down to, it's empowering the individual to make the decision of who they want to share data with, who they don't want to have that data anymore about them. And then it deals with their ability to say, but you need to know me today in this light for the position you're asking me for and what you need me to do. And you can trust that my data is in good standing, it's recent, and it's verified by everybody that you need to, so you can make a faster and better decision about me and why me today. Right, because it's also in the benefit of the candidate, right? It might be in the benefit of the company to find a, a, a person because you needed them yesterday. But what if you needed them yesterday and today I give you the right job opportunity? And I told you I'm the right candidate and I proved to you why. What does that do? Anyway, well, it, it, does, get it does a lot. So the other thing this yeah. really does, Dan, is, um, uh, I mean, <clears throat> I immediately jumped to thinking that this this now could it solve diversity in hiring yeah. or will it perpetuate it? In what way, Shelley? So, I'm okay. So if you look at, that. so if companies decide that credentialing, that is you, you, yeah. you have yeah. to have a university degree. Yeah. University yeah. attending university does not necessarily determine your success in completing a job or a task. Yeah. Um, it is a discriminatory practice to say you come from a privileged background, that yeah. you could afford $90,000 to get a bachelor's degree of history. Oh, yeah. Well, 90000 that's pretty cheap if you put in context. Uh, <laughs> yes, like right. But what it's, so what it does is it just perpetuates um, discriminatory practices. It can. It can. But well, the flip side to it, you. so the, the <laughs> so flip side and I are going to duke it out. But Shelly, no, the, but who's but who's creating the who's creating the requirements? The company, right? But that so, doesn't change, Shelly. Like in reality, you right. good point Dan, because this is just verifying. It's not the criteria don't change in that sense. Um, so you're you're right, Dan, on that sense, like. It shouldn't have any effect in that end as far as, I think that's a bigger discussion as far as how we credential. Yeah, fair enough. What but credentials be? does directly connect yeah. to yes. hiring practices because oh, the other part absolutely. of this is it, if, if a company on the flip side wants to be transparent mm -hmm. about having an inclusive hiring practice, yeah. um, they can demonstrate. Well, they can perhaps. have an auditable they can have an yes. auditable record of their hiring practices, right? And saying, I can show you and prove to you that this is the kind of data that we requested. Here's what took, we took in. And here's how we decided to make the decision on those candidates that came in. Yeah. And the reality is, I mean, I was just talking to somebody in the trucking industry recently who said, on average in a trucking company, the, turn, the, the revolving door is about 75% of all drivers throughout the year. And it is not the, it is not the person that brought us in together search, but um, it was it was somebody else. And they said, that's the, that's the practice. It's like, okay, so if you're, you know, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 drivers as a company, that means that every single day somebody's leaving and somebody has to get hired, at least a few people a day, right? In a, in a typical 365. Yeah. So 
if you could make that decision where you can say, yep, I'll pick this person because they're the right person. I can put them in a truck within two business days. What does that do to your, um, to your bottom line staggering. as an organization? It's yeah. incredible, it's right? Staggering. Like the continuous movement and knowing you're not going to miss that delivery, miss that timeline. Just to know you're constantly on top of it is fantastic. Right? So that's where really we start thinking about the power of, of, a, of a faster hire with a better decision that you're, you're reliant on that data and what that ultimately does to your company's bottom line, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is, it's incredible in, in my opinion. Like that's where we really kind of sat back and said, when, when we kind of came up with this tagline and our marketing team came up with the tagline, cause I can't, I cannot take any sort of credit for this because that's not my world. Um, but it's prove your decisions faster. Like it just makes sense. Makes sense. Now that you've explained it, it does. Yeah, now it does. Exactly. <laughs> it was not. It was not intuitive because both Serge and I studied, and both of us were like, "Okay, I sure hope Dan's really good at explaining this." Because <laughs> we did our research. We did, yeah, and no. I was still going like, <sighs> "Well, exactly." So, Dan, tell me, um, what's next? So, for you guys, what's the next steps for Terra Hub? You're still in startup phase. Uh, is it additional investment, just uh, growing more clients? Is it, are you, yeah. what's your, I guess your exit at one point? Is it IPO? Is it uh, being acquired? Because actually there's, are... there's a blockchain company that just got acquired right now by jobs.com uh, that we're just reading about this before. So there's, the HR tech world is hot and I'm not sure this is fully HR tech. I think it is. And I think there's elements of that. It can be used across multiple industries or multiple different usage. Uh, but yeah, what's next for you guys? Well, we're definitely still in growth mode. So we're, we just went from got four to 15, um, kind of in the last five months. And we're definitely still looking for a few more, uh, to be quite honest. Um, we're probably going to close out the year at about 20, which is going to be, it's a, it's a great size, uh, to manage and to, and to now maintain that hyper growth component. And we're, um, you know, we're expanding. We've got some fantastic new partnerships coming out, um, that are going to streamline, uh, the process and make it faster and ultimately cheaper for everybody to do this. And, um, because of some of our work with the Canadian government in, uh, actually designing the future of digital identity, which is, which is actually happening at a federal level right now, uh, not just for passports yeah. and, you know, and uh, driver's license that we're seeing today being turned around, but it's everything from birth certificate, death certificate, um, your health card, and then the credentials of you attesting you are who you say you are and can do your job today. Those are all part of this new ecosystem that's being developed. And it, guess what? It's all using permission blockchain technology as, as behind it to create this verity and proof, right? So this is coming, it's seeping behind the scenes and it's coming. And that's where we are. We're really, our technology is already at the forefront. We know that. Anybody that works with us from, from the employers and the company side, they're already getting forefront technology, all the latest and greatest uh, minimum requirements from um, legislations and, and what's needed to be, to keep the company safe. We already have that nicely wrapped up. And that just happens behind the scenes. The magic for us is continuing to build a network, right? And connecting into the different issuers and verifiers, and then ultimately allowing that person to understand through digital literacy, what it means and how powerful it is for them to have this wallet and to take it away with them and to share it with their next recruiter or employer and what that means for their job opportunity, right? Like think about a journeyman electrician to a, um, to a, a, you know, maybe a kid that just finished his uh, second year with, um, you know, a smaller company. How can, how can they walk out and be like, trust me, I've got what you need here. And this is, this is me. And it's verified me, right? It's, it opens up a totally different environment. So that's where we are. That's what we're doing. We're going to grow, you know, stay tuned. There's definitely going to be a few more, um, you know, growth financing rounds that are going to happen. We're, we're moving, we're moving some pretty incredible mountains. And again, just a tiny Calgary startup that's, uh, uh, that's doing some big things that are hopefully going to be game changing. 
Well, it, you know what? I think it's very exciting to see what you guys are doing. It's exciting to see that you're Canadian, you're Calgarian. Oh. Uh, we do need more innovation in this space across multiple items. Like we're always the last one when I'm talking about HR as far as adopting new technology. Oh. So seeing this progress, being ahead of the curve seems, um, seems fantastic. So if someone is listening and wants to get a hold of you, where can they get a hold of you? Uh, that's awesome. Thank you. It's uh, Dan at uh, terrahub.ca. That's T-E-R-R-A-H-U-B.ca. And um, yeah, or jump online to terrahub.work. And, um, and LinkedIn, I'm assuming. Jump in LinkedIn. Well, if you can spell my last name, absolutely. <laughs> Find me on <laughs> LinkedIn. I'm with you 100%. My last name is not George, so it's going to be a little bit harder. But um, uh, yeah, absolutely. Jump online. Send us an info at terrahub. Um, happy to respond and uh, and connect. And even if they want to have an open chat like we had right now, right, to understand what's about to happen, how it's going to impact the organizations um, of sizes and so on. And, you know, Serge, to your, to your earlier question, we've worked and literally are working with companies as small as 10 employees to I think 5,200 is the largest yeah. uh, employee member company. So there is no barrier to entry, which is phenomenal. And your biggest job, I would say, is educating the market uh, in reality of what it is because it's anything like that. So really appreciate having you, Dan. Yeah. It's been amazing. Yeah. I think Thanks, Dan. Fantastic. It's fantastic. You guys were awesome. Thanks, Serge, Shelley. This, is, this was awesome. I'm super stoked. Thanks for letting me do this with you guys. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.